Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. For you who might be visitors here today, we've been working through the Apostles' Creed and we're beginning to come to the end. We are at the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Actually, this is going to be two sermons because I want to say some things that would make this sermon very, very long if I try to do the whole thing in one. So we're going to just talk about the resurrection of the body today. There's a story told of a well-known astronomer who found himself on an airplane next to a well-known bishop. And in the course of the conversation, the astronomer looked at the bishop and he said, you know, I never had much interest in theology. My view of religion could be summed up, I think, in the words of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then he looked at Bishop, he says, that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? The bishop looked at the astronomer and he said, you know, come to think of it, I never really gave much thought to astronomy either. I guess my views could be summed up in the words of that famous poet who said, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder how, what you are. That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? You know, in all seriousness, if you have ever seriously wrestled with the issues of theology or wrestled with the issues of creation or the universe, simplistic reductions of faith sound so ridiculous and silly. Science didn't create God. In fact, science knows nothing about God. However, God did create science because God created all the laws of science, and all science did was discover the laws that God had already set in place. Theology matters, because what you believe will determine how you will live. And the most fundamental question you're ever going to have to deal with in life, the fundamental problem of humanity, is death. And death cannot be answered by science. My body is my apparatus of self-expression. Without it, all the power to make things, to do things, to relate to others is gone. Thus, any philosophy or any religion that can't come to terms with death is of no real value to anybody. 
I want to know something here. Only Christianity, among all the world's philosophies and religions, views death as conquered. Only Christianity. The Apostle Paul says, O death, where is your sting? Glory be to Christ Jesus, who is victorious over all of life and death and eternity. Hebrews 11 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things not seen. Now, this isn't hope. Biblical hope isn't like, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Biblical hope is an assurance, a certainty that though we cannot see it, God's words and promises are true. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things not seen. There's a big difference between believing in something and what you believe about something. The latter depends on provable facts. The former is based on your trust. The latter depends on how I choose to perceive things. The former depends solely on God. How trustworthy do you choose to believe God is? Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life, and those who believe in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe Jesus? Now, Scripture uses two distinct terms to speak about what happens when you die. One is resurrection, and the other is eternal life. Eternal life refers to a quality of life, what we experience in part now. Right now, you have eternal life if you are in Christ Jesus. Right now, you have that life in part, and it's going to continue on forever if you are in Christ. Jesus said in John 6, 47, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. Do you believe Jesus? Resurrection, on the other hand, implies a period of separation. Jesus died and rose again on the third day. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, which is the powerful passage on the resurrection that Jesus or that Paul preaches, he doesn't contend that because Jesus was raised, we will be raised. Because, you see, Jesus was unique. No one was conceived like Jesus was. No one ever lived like Jesus did. And only Jesus died totally innocent. Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15 was against those who were denying the very existence of the resurrection, that the resurrection never took place or that it was simply a spiritual event, had nothing to do with the body. Paul was saying, you know, think about that. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then the reality is not even Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And if Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, and if all you have is faith in Jesus for this life, then you should be pitied above all people. What kind of faith is that, said Paul? Because if Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, then, friends, you are still dead in your sins. 
So you might as well eat and drink and be merry because this is all there is. Paul is teaching that if you believe in Jesus Christ, death is really nothing more than one day going to sleep and the very next morning, the very next moment, you wake up and it's morning. Because you see, if you understand how the Bible understands death and life, when you die, if you are in Christ Jesus, you pass out of time and space. God doesn't live in time and space. Heaven isn't in time and space. God created time and space. God is outside time and space. Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are outside time and space. And the moment you die, you enter into the eternal, present, and forever. Paul says the moment you go to sleep, the next moment you wake up and it's morning. And in the hands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, what is there to fear, said Paul? Oh, death, where is your sting? Both the resurrection and eternal life are the gift of God. And they come through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus said in John 14, 19, Because I live, you shall live also. You see, contrary to what a lot of people want to believe or, or they do believe, we were not created immortal. God put Adam and Eve outside the Garden of Eden before they were able to eat of the tree of life. So while we might say we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, do we live our lives each day to show that we really believe that? Do we live as we claim to believe? Ask yourself, in this world in which we live, how far will you stick your neck out to defend and honor God's word? The life of the early Christian, like many of those in our world today who are living in persecuted lands. You know, there's over 100,000 Christians that die martyr death each year. The life for those early Christians was like that. It called for a faith that was both belief and courage. It took no thought of tomorrow because they knew that tomorrow rested in the hope of the resurrection. And so they lived each and every day in the hope of Jesus Christ. And they demonstrated their belief in Christ's resurrection by the courageous way that they lived and willingly died. They would never deny Jesus. They would never deny the word of God. Christian faith is hope resting on the fact that Jesus Christ rose bodily from the grave and that today he sits at the right hand of God the, Father, God the Father in all authority, all glory, all power. And he's there. And he's interceding for your life and for mine. You are in the hands of the King of kings and the Lord of lords each and every moment of your life. Do you live with that assurance? Philippians 3.21 says, when Jesus comes back, 
we will be fitted with resurrected bodies like his glorious resurrected body. The resurrection of the body means restoring not just part of me, but a whole new creative me on dying life with God. At our resurrection, folks, God will complete all redemption by the gift of not patched up bodies. God is going to give each and every one of us who believe in Jesus Christ whole new bodies fit for the whole new estate we will be entering to, a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven will be coming down and a whole world will be redeemed and no eye can conceive, no ear can hear what God has in store for you. It will be glorious. We will not have patched up bodies. We will have resurrected bodies like Jesus. You see, each and every day, from the moment you accept Jesus Christ, you experience what's called regeneration. Regeneration is God begins a new process in you. He makes you new. The old has died, the new has come. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus who now lives in me. Christ lives in his people through the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit has regenerated you. It's making you new. You are, at this moment, a new person. You're beginning to live the life of regeneration and justification and sanctification. You're in the process of being made holy. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see the sin in you. He doesn't see your foibles and failures. He sees who he's making you into. He sees you in the eyes of his glorious son, Jesus Christ. Each and every day, God is renewing you through his Holy Spirit. And when Jesus Christ comes again, we will receive glorious bodies to match. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, our current bodies are made from dust, and to dust they shall return. But in Jesus Christ, we shall receive glorious new bodies that will be imperishable, indestructible, unique, and eternal. C.S. Lewis once said, they give unimpressive horses to you when you want to learn to ride, only when you are truly ready to ride are you allowed to ride a horse that will gallop and jump and run like the wind. As humans, we both love our body, and yet we get mad at the way it limits us. My present body, if you've ever looked at it, it's like an old jalopy. It goes very precariously at times, and sometimes it doesn't go very well at all. And quite often, it lets me down. But my friends, my new body, it will feel, it will look, and it will behave like a Ferrari. <laughs> because each and every day, through his Holy Spirit, God is preparing me and God is preparing you in Jesus Christ to properly manage such a beautiful vehicle. 1 John 3, 2 says, Dear friends, now, now we are in God if we are in Christ Jesus. And when Jesus Christ appears, we will be like him. Can I have an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.